0: For anybody who is listening to this podcast, if I was to say that uh, when I talked about the transition around my sexual abuse and stuff, it was steps four through nine. It had nothing to do with just step four, me looking at it again. I'd looked at it many times through therapy and all that. I'm looking at it again. When I put in the last column all the things that I had done in my life relative to that and uh, just the things that I had done to people, I began to lose my victimization. I began to lose my perspective that somehow this world has been damaging to me. I started to see that I have been damaging to it.
1: Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. In the heart of Texas, that was the voice of our friend, Mr. Marty C, that you heard at the beginning of this episode, and you will be hearing so much more, so much more goodness from him in just a moment. He has some pearls of wisdom to share with all of us, but first things first, on this here episode number 227, dos, dos siete. This episode is brought to you by Tammy and Jane. Do you know what Tammy and Jane did? Well, they went to our website, SoberSpeak.com, and they clicked on the little yellow donate tab, and they made a, a contribution. So thank you so much, Tammy and Jane. This episode is coming right out to Ewans. I, John M., just another bozo on the bus, will indeed be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly honored and privileged, you can't see me right now, but I'm kind of bowing, you know, like you would bow before somebody, to serve all of you listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table, and let's get started. I have many of you throughout the years uh, who have uh, written in or come up to me when you see me and say, John M, where should I start listening to episodes now that you have whatever it is to uh, whenever the time was at this point, it would be 227 episodes, right? Well, It's hard for me to tell you where to start because all of the episodes are like children to me. They're all fantastic. But I can tell you that we just recently published on the website uh, the top, okay, when I say top episodes, I mean most listened to episodes episodes of 2021 and we also have the episodes from 2020 and 2019 on there and those were either voted on by listeners or they were uh the most listened to and so anyway you can go to our uh a website and along the uh oh what is it what is it we got along the top it says oh top episodes the lovely mrs m actually put all that out there for uh us all all to consume. So if you go to SoberSpeak.com, click on the top episodes tab at the top of the uh, page, you will be able to listen to that. All right. Now, on to a little Mr. Marty C. We have had Marty C on in the past, and he is back again. And we're going to have him again in the future, folks. And this episode is called These Are the Steps We Took. As you can tell from that opening little uh, uh, clip that was played, Uh, we get into some heavy stuff, but uh, this is, just keep in mind, Marty is from Hamilton, Hamilton, oh my goodness, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, and he got sober on July 16th of 1987, this is truly a wide-ranging conversation. Like I said, uh, that clip was just the beginning of it. We talk about two-stepping. Uh, Marty's 14-year experience in Alcoholics Anonymous, when he met Mark, U- or when, he, when Mark Houston told him, Marty, you are asleep dreaming that you are alive, and that got Marty's attention. We're talking about Marty's tenth step experience, uh, a tragic situation involving Marty's middle daughter. Um, Marty's mantra is, it's going to be okay. I almost entitled this episode, it's going to be okay, but we went with uh, these are the steps we took. We talk about love and tolerance uh, and so much more. You truly have to listen to this one all the way through. Because at points it's funny, sometimes it's very emotional and to the point uh, where you can hear a pin drop and we discuss some of the imperfections of Alcoholics Anonymous and the people in it, we're all over the map, I know you're going to enjoy this one. So ladies and gents, take a seat or, well, uh, relax And enjoy this in whatever position you happen to be in. If you're standing up and you want to enjoy it, I'm good with that. If you're sitting and want to enjoy it, I'm good with that. If you're laying down and want to enjoy it, I'm good with all the postures. Do whatever you need to do. And we will have plenty plenty of listener feedback at the end of this here ep. Enjoy Marty C okay everybody so we are back once again with the great mr marty c from the great white north of canada so marty why don't you go ahead introduce yourself give your sobriety date if you wish and then we'll tee it up and get started here
0: Well, yeah, the most important thing is uh, I'm an alcoholic. My name is Marty Cosgrove. Uh, I'm a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My home group is called the Prince George Group. I was telling John yesterday I want to make sure I put a plug in for my group and my group members. Just an amazing, amazing place to be. And uh, you're all welcome anytime you're in the area. That's where Mm -hmm. I'm at and what I'm doing.
1: Gosh, I would love to get up there. I love Canada. Uh, It's just, uh, I just love going up there. I just, uh, I don't know why. Just uh, whenever I would come up there, in fact, I would go to meetings in that area. I was in the Toronto area, all sorts of different meetings. And I would come in the meetings and they would all look up and yell at me. They go, there's Texas right there, you know, and uh, A, you know, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> did you get to the world conference we're you at the World conference in Toronto
1: No I wasn't at that one
0: it was 5 I think we have yeah. a great we got a great roundup called the Ontario Regional conference it's a, that's a great uh, roundup if you ever were coming up for a function uh, for an, an activity that's the one to come up for
1: What month is that in what month is the... It's usually
0: April it's usually in April May okay like it's in the early spring.
1: Okay, is that one of the most is it one of the most well attended conferences in the area or in yeah, Canada?
0: With one of the better itineraries, you know, it's just a, it's it's probably a, it's our premier event in Ontario. Yeah.
1: Okay. Super. Well, for those of you listening in also, I hope they're able to come in, and uh, I'm sure you will, you'll be there. You yeah. can go see Marty C. Just let him know you're coming beforehand. You can always email. I didn't say this on the last uh, episode, but you can always email me at J O H N at soberspeak.com, and I'll get you over to Marty. I pass all of these comments on, and I'd love to hear any comments that you have regarding the speakers. So yesterday, well, we covered... A lot of area, and as you know, we uh, we kind of ran out of time, and I had to schedule some more time, get you back on the calendar today, and I'm so glad you're here, but we, we were able to talk about, well, a, a lot of things, but I want to talk about two things right there at the end. Oh, and before I go into that, we were talking a little offline here and and i was saying no 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 no, no do, like hold on i, I want to get that uh, on on uh, uh on the uh the actual the episode and you're saying there was a saying that you had heard from things you were doing years ago it was called don't leave it in the green room and then actually with this particular technology we use they have something called the virtual green room right before we started <laughs> so, uh what were you what what did you mean by that
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like the green room is the waiting room before you go on air and in any of these sort of broadcast opportunities. And uh, I did a live call in uh, uh, the show on addictions on Sunday nights for many years. And, we would have the guests come in, and we'd be sitting in the room was actually green, and <laughs> it's the waiting room. And we would sit in the green room before we're going on air. And you say hi to somebody, and of course, we're all open books, right? We don't really hold any secrets. We're not talking when we get together. We don't talk about the weather. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> so some good stuff starts flying out of our mouths, and we we catch ourselves. Oh my God, this is the show. We kind of can't leave it in the green room. We got to put it out there and get it on air. So that was it. That was a live call in television show. It was a, a lot of fun very rewarding uh, thing. Very much like this. Like when you, you know, when you said a prayer to bring us in, John, and and asking that this message be, uh, you know, set before anybody out there that, that needs to hear it. Um, that's how I see these opportunities. It's a very powerful, anonymous endeavor. It's like you and I are going to get together and talk about some things and uh, somebody might actually... Bend their ear towards it and, and, and catch something that, that, that inspires them or changes their life. That absolutely excites me beyond all belief. Yeah,
1: I can't tell you, Marty. Uh, I don't know how much you listen to the podcast or not, but uh, I, you know, I, I always put a. Th- there's a big portion of what we have here is called listener feedback, right mm-hmm. on the end of it. I just read through all the. Various Facebook comments and uh, emails and Instagram messages and all that that I get. And um, it, it, it just blows my mind, really. that uh, and, and I know that there's only, like me, I listen to various podcasts, but I rarely take the time to go ahead and actually write in, you know. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and I know that's just a portion of the people that are hearing this out there. And uh, uh, hopefully we're doing some good in the world yeah all right so um the like i said the last time we we ended up uh, on a couple of notes number one you had a uh a, a jail cell moment uh i really uh enjoyed you talking about that where you heard you heard that voice saying that you uh that you don't have to live that way anymore Um, And then we got up to the point to where you had been in Alcoholics Anonymous. And by the way, if you didn't hear the first part of Marty, go back and listen. It doesn't mean you have to stop listening now, but (laughs) definitely go back and listen to the first one. But nonetheless, and then we got to that point in sobriety where you had been doing the deal uh, and you had been basically kind of two-stepping I think is what we talked about last time and then you got to that point in your sobriety where you were 14 years sober and something occurred so why do you take us from that point on
0: yeah yeah and, and and the funny thing about um like a change of that sort of magnitude is is, is very seldom do you ever realize that that it's necessary or that it's not not just that it's coming, but that it's even necessary. If somebody had told me uh, before the moments, before all of these stars lined up, that there was something wrong with my Alcoholics Anonymous program, I would have, in fact, I'll, the way I, t- I'll tell you the story, the way it unfolded. And you can see the sort of arrogance and the self that was so uh, predominant in my sobriety. Uh, I took all the credit for my sobriety for all of those 14 years. I had this relationship with God, but it was, it was a pinch league, uh, pinch hitter, God. It was a, it was it was something that was, um, you know, these were decisions and choices I was making in my life, and and some were good and some were bad.
1: And so I'm assuming when you say you're taking all the credit for mm-hmm. it, it's probably not like you were. Outright saying this is me to hell with God. It was probably more of a subconscious sort of thing. Am I right? Can you explain that a little? Well,
0: the pride would be f- would be, my pride would be filled. Like I was just talking about doing the television show. I was a active member of my community in, in the addictions realm. I was, uh, you know, everybody gave me praise. My mother constantly talked about my 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 sobriety, and 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 so these these sort of levels of uh, uh, self would be attended to in some degree my identity became, became very much centered around that. And, uh, like, yeah, it wasn't like there wasn't an arrogance or an egoism around it. It was more about, uh, I left God out, you know, and Sandy always talks about that. It's like so easy. It's not about, you know, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. And it, and it isn't on the conscious level. It's on the subconscious level. I'm rolling through things. And when things go bad, uh, he gets all the blame. And when things go well, I get all the credit. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 a, just a mutual understanding and away we go. And uh, when I talk about being in AA, I'm, I'm I'm at a conscious level in the middle of Alcoholics Anonymous with service positions, home group, sponsors, sponsees, um, many meetings a week because I love it. I'm doing these conferences, or roundups. I'm speaking a lot. And because I have this sort of spiritual edge, I'm speaking a lot on Sunday mornings. Uh, my life is full and AA represents a big, big part of it. So, what I didn't recognize was I was lacking the the real driving force, and and I when I when two stepping is, is what two stepping looks like. It really looks like not drinking, and it really looks like being a good dude, being a good man, and uh, uh, not for any other reason, you know. But what tells us in our third step that the, no matter what our motives, we can be kind, virtuous, these kinds of things. Our life is still be, can be based on self. We can still be very self driven it's not just mean, egotistical and arrogance. It can sometimes hide itself behind the kindnesses and, and, and those kinds of things. But self was definitely running the show. And the way I knew that was every couple of few years, I would have these major calamities and, and, and spiritual breakdowns where I would be so angry and so self-loathing. And these periods would last for anywhere in between a day to you know a couple of weeks, never longer than that. And again, when I would come out of it, I would take all the credit when I would go into it. i give him all the blame. And this was a, just an ongoing thing that I thought everybody who was sober went through. I just thought they did. So here's what happened, John. Is um, I was asked to be the closing speaker at a roundup, uh, and the main banquet speaker and I were outside smoking cigarettes, talking about fitness and health care. And and this, unfortunately, this dude was smoking about five cigarettes at once. Like, I smoked three packs a day. He was smoking. We were having a good old chin wag about life. And uh, uh, he was an amazing, exhilarating man to be around. I could feel his incredible energy. And I felt the need to tell him what a great AA member I was. And I went on. And on and on, sharing with him all that I knew of AA and all that I knew of, uh, you know, my role in AA and my experiences in AA. And right in the middle of about a 20-minute diatribe, he looks at me and he says, son, you're asleep, dreaming, you're awake.
1: Said, Say that again. He says, son, you're asleep?
0: Son, you're asleep, dreaming, you're awake. Oh. And I said, pardon? And I was offended. I said, well, what? What? He said, I can tell there's an experience in Alcoholics Anonymous you haven't even had. And I said, "Uh, buddy, I don't know if you weren't, you mustn't have been listening. I just told him there isn't anything about AA I don't know. I am the king of AA in all of Canada, and I have no idea why you would come at me like that. He said, I'm coming at you like that because I can tell there's an experience that you haven't had. And I said, oh, yeah, and what's that wise guy? And he said, "The, the steps. I said, what about the steps? He said, have you ever taken the steps? well uh, he, uh, of course of course I have I'm 14 years sober I mean I, of course I have he said I didn't ask if you knew what, what they were if you've studied them if you read them if you I didn't ask I said have you ever taken them here are the steps we took have you ever taken the steps I had to concur that whatever he was alluding to was was making starting to make sense like I, well no I I don't, I don't know. And he said, I could help you with that. If you got, if you've got a few minutes, come on with me. I followed him up to his hotel room, uh, walked up the stairs sheepishly. I might add, I have to say I was, there was a lot of apprehension and trepidation. I, I, I hadn't heard the guy speak yet. He was speaking that night, uh, I walked in behind him. He closed the door and he said to me, he said, why are you an alcoholic? What makes you an alcoholic? And I told him what I thought made me an alcoholic. And for the first time in 14 years, I've been an AA a man qualified me as an alcoholic. No one had ever asked me that question before. You guys let me come to your tables. You let me say it over and over and over again, but you never, ever took any time to describe to me or explain to me what an alcoholic was. And I didn't have a big book experience. I told you that yesterday. That was not, my, so I had this idea. I sat around the same table as you didn't. Cause you said you're alcoholic. I said, I was an alcoholic. I had no idea what it meant. And this guy said, can you stop when you start? And I said, no, I said, can you stop starting? And I said, absolutely not. He said, that's what an alcoholic is. That's it. And so we started to have a conversation around step one. And I said, holy crap, no one had ever done, had this conversation with me before about powerlessness. He says, it's the only issue in Alcoholics Anonymous, Marty, powerlessness. You either are or you aren't. And he says, and if you are, then you need power. If a lack of power is your problem, then you must access that power. You've not taken the steps. You've never done that. And I thought, and I'm getting goosebumps talking about John because he was right. He was right. And as he walked a little bit more into the room, I followed him into the room and we're talking about minutes here, not hours, days, weeks, months. We're talking about a transition of moments. And as I followed him in, he said, said, you know, you were talking a little bit about God outside. It's not, I have no doubt. He said that you believe that there is a God, but do you believe that God knows you? Do you you have that experience? And I said, no, he said, well, because you're, you know, when it says that, do you now believe or you're willing to believe? He says, I I understand in the second step, you're probably, you're you're good with that. But God is everything or else he is nothing. That's not what the way you live. You live a life based on self, according to what you were telling me outside. And again, I had to concur. I had never seen that stuff in the big book. And he said, God is everything or else he's nothing. What's your choice? And I said, Everything. I didn't realize, even realize until we were done that, well, I'll, I'll keep going. And he said, Now, he said, uh, you know, you, When we talk about making a decision, Marty, this is about sitting there and, and, and you have this powerlessness, this need for power, and then you need to make a decision to access that power. And he said, We use this little prayer to access this power. This is what we do. He said, Would you say that prayer with me? And I said, I will. And then when we got down, he said, would you get down on your knees? And I said, I will. And he moved the coffee table apart and us two big guys, because he's a big, he's a big James Coburn looking dude, big handsome barrel chested guy with silver beard, silver hair. And we draped our arms over each other. And he started saying a third step prayer, a prayer I had never heard before, 14 years sober. And in the prayer for the first time in, in praying, I actually heard the words of the prayer in its, their literal meaning. And I began to feel a shift inside my chest. If I could try to explain it, I could never do it justice. And I knew that something of incredible magnitude was beginning to take place. And when we stood up, I really believed when I stood up uh, about eight or ten minutes with this man, I believed that I was a different man. And so what we did was we sat down and we talked and he talked about all the things that were blocking me, driven by self. And he asked me about my life and there was nefarious, uh, there was a dishonesty, there were affairs, there was, uh, uh, and, and some of them were overt, some of them were more clandestine. There was all kinds of uh, 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 manipulations around finances and these kinds of things and dishonesty in my marriage and, and uh, you know, parenting. Like I was angry at times and, and I would never allow myself to be honest about that with with other AA members. There was a lot of stuff in my life that, because I'm 14 years sober, sober, I'm not supposed to lose it, those kinds of things. These things started to break open. And he talked about a four-step inventory, which I had never done in my 14 years of Alcoholics Anonymous. Out of the big book, resentment, fear, sex conduct. We're going to look at these things. So he helped me set up my four-step inventory. And when me and Mark Houston parted ways, uh, I have never been the same since. He spoke that evening. I hugged him as he left. And after that time, I checked in with him on my four-step inventory about a week later. And our relationship uh, was never uh, connected live again, but through messages and, 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 and emails and these kinds of things, we had contact. And he, I just kept him abreast of the progress. Within a couple of years, he came up to do a conference up here in Canada, the CA conference. And I was able to, to just to say hello to him and spend some time with him there. But other than that, that powerful powerful moment that 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 moment to me is the same as the it's exactly the same as the moment for bill when bill met bob it was no different and so because because something major and powerful shifted inside of me because this man had an answer so i was having a dr bob experience this man had an answer and uh, and that's what happened i got driven into the 12 steps now having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps I tried to carry this message to alcoholics. You should have seen my sponsee's faces. I had a stable of sponsees for 25, all, for 25, 30 guys that have never taken the steps. All of us running around, hitting on women, you know, dances and, and camp outs and, and uh, all kinds of activities and all kinds of service positions. And, um, you know, bad relationships and financial blowups, playing sports together and all that kind of stuff. Doing AA. <laughs> not one step, not one step among us. So that's what happened. That's, that's what happened. That was the trans, that's the, that was the transformation period in my life. And then Charlie talks about the same thing as 16 years sober. And I was 14 years sober when it happened to me. It was like, it was just this transformation.
1: We will be continuing our conversation with Marty C in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at www.soberspeak.com. There you can find also you can also find the donate button on our website, and you can use if and only if the spirit moves you. Please keep in mind this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. Okay, so you so you have this conversation with Mark Houston. Mm-hmm. You feel like you're a change man, but by the way, when you went back to your sponsees and such, and started talking to them about actually doing things differently, I mean, what was that experience like?
0: Well, you can imagine with the number of sponsees that I had, how many of the guys were actually not really doing AA, um, and, and even in a, even in a, a, a moderate nice sense. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but I went to a lot of guys who were really dogging it and said to them, look, I'm not your sponsor. I'm going in this direction. You can come with me if you want, but if you're not really into this AA thing, it's you know, you, you need to find a, a sponsor that's gonna or a sponsor that's gonna sort of be okay with that. But I got to go this way, and it's gonna be—it's just gonna be the way it, it is.
1: And uh, and when you explain that to them, go this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm sure they had questions. What what were you telling them was gonna be this way? What was gonna be different?
0: It was the twelve steps. It says, like, if you're not gonna take the steps, I got nothing here for you. I've been sitting here trying to problem solve for you for years. I, I you know, I you know my story. So I'm, I'm an, an Exconn. Uh, who have been, I've been lousy in relationships. Uh, you know, I, the only time I ever spent any time in any banks or anything was to make withdrawals of money that didn't belong to me. And the whole thing <laughs> about it was like, so I've got these, uh, uh, I've got this history of people and my sponsors are asking me financial questions, you know, and I'm giving them, at uh, 25 years old, I'm giving grown men marital advice and, and advice about their children in university. I've never had a family of my own at all, <laughs> you know, and 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 that's because that's what everyone else was doing. They would come to me and they would have a problem and I would solve that that problem some of the most ludicrous responses too because I, I was making shit up as i went and i thought we all were doing the same thing and i thought that was my job i thought as a sponsor it was my job to have every answer that a guy asked oh my god can you imagine john not you know and and i had an answering machine one of those old tape answering machines you know with the tapes on them and every day i would come home and it would be filled it would be filled, and so one by one, I would call the guys back, and i say, you know, you need to leave her, and then a click, and then the next one would be like, you need to go to a hospital and get that looked at, and then the next one would be like, and you can hear in there. There is no mention of any spirit, God, connection, no steps, nothing, nothing. No go help another alcoholic, nothing, nothing. And 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 because I was so driven by self, I didn't even recognize selfishness and self-centeredness in the other individuals I was trying to help. Hmm. Now, the, now, I think that underneath that, when I talk about two-stepping, step one, or you know, I'm I got a big alcohol problem. Step twelve, help people. I did help a lot of people. You know, I, I, I make a joke. If you hear my talks lately, it was because I was 240 pounds of, uh, let's say, energetic rage when I first got sober and so I was a good guy if you needed to move things (laughs) so so my sponsor and I the first five years that's what we did every weekend we were moving people and I thought that was AA help I thought that's what they meant and I said what are you doing this weekend I "I don't know but I'm probably moving somebody and we're moving somebody every weekend and uh I thought I was doing the AA I swear to god I know it sounds ridiculous but when I look back in hindsight it's like staying sober was like following the direction, following the direction and being obedient to something, you know, Dr. Bob says you got to be obedient to spiritual principles and, and, but being obedient to something is probably what kept me from not drinking. Um, but it, it didn't bring any sort of sanity or peace of mind or, um, or reconciliation, or, or or a cleanup, or an amends to my life. It didn't bring any of that. So the entire thing in between steps 2 and 11 was missing. So when I told these guys, this is what we're going to do, some of them were all over it. And uh, could and some a few of them sustained it. I got one guy. I'm 34 years sober. I got one by a guy I've been sponsored for 30 years, 31 years. I had a guy in my house yesterday who I sponsored 33, 34 years ago. He went in another direction. He's never taken the steps or anything, but he's still in my life. He's still a good friend. A lot of the guys just disappeared. John, it was very interesting how I was the link to their, um, I was the link to their connection to AA. It became very, very much less important when I headed in this direction. And I got to tell you, like that, you're the first person that's ever asked me that question about how it affected the men that I was quote unquote sponsoring. Um, I'll tell you how it affected my, my, uh, reputation in Alcoholics Anonymous. It was awful. It was awful. Because if I was to in any way, shape, or form, um, accept what Mark Houston was saying to me, "To be true, then that meant that every stick of information and support and 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 alcoholic that I'd been given to that date was errant. That's what it meant, and I don't mean 100 percent, 100 percent. I'm just saying there was a major piece that was missed, and if it was missed by the message carriers to me, how far and how deep was it? Well, when I came back, in fact, that Sunday." Uh, my sponsor who was sitting out in the audience that Sunday, uh, uh, my first sponsor. Um, I I am I'm, I'm just so I'm just so natural, right? I had that experience on the Saturday and my wife was with me and and she'll attest to this. Like something very powerful moved inside of me and, and I was reduced to tears about two things about what what I had I had I missed all these years and then of course now the joy of the opportunity to grow more because I thought I had arrived I already thought I had hit everything in a eight was to hit now like I said to you yesterday oh my god like there's, there's every day is, there's more you know and so so uh when I got up to speak the next day on that Sunday uh, my sponsor was sitting out there and I said uh, you know I, I I've never taken the steps here I am I'm your Sunday morning speaker and I have never had a 12-step experience. I've never mm-hmm. taken the steps and I didn't take the steps and and my sponsor didn't take me through the steps. How could he take me through the steps? He'd never taken the steps either. And I thought, and I pointed to him, see what I'm saying? Like I, I'm up at the front of a room with, with six, 700 people. And I, and I shovel it off like that thinking we all know this. I'm, I'm just going to say something that we're all, we need, we, we are all going to become aware of. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, so to speak well people don't want to hear that and he was very upset with me and has not talked to me since
1: really
0: yeah in fact in fact he there was a campaign a bit of a campaign that took place to besmirch and and uh and uh, harm my reputation
1: and, and so w- did did you all get to talk did he say why he was upset did he-
0: no, not he hasn't, but there's a lot of other people, you know, and it's it's a very tenuous thing because it just separated the town, it separated the city. And then, like I said, I, I'm, I'm active, I'm involved, and now I'm going to come at it from a 12-step perspective. Everything I come at is going to be both a new guy, uh, working with others, uh, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and a 12-step perspective. I always tell people I'm not a big book thumper. Like, I… I I got into the book. It I became a very important part of my life. I became friends with Charlie Parker, Myers, Chris, and a lot of the guys. You know, this, these are my friends now, right? Chris Schroeder is one of my best friends. So I become uh, very involved in a in a in a group of folks that speak this same language. And this is the message we carry. Well, there's a separation that took place here. So I started having all these one day roundups, and I called them uh, a day in the steps. And I had these all these roundups here where people could come and uh, be in, in invested in their own journey and your own discovery rather than me sitting up at the podium i never get asked to speak in my area at all i speak all the time abroad but i never get asked to speak Um, they always say that you're vilified in your hometown right so so
1: uh well maybe somebody will hear this and think otherwise uh have you ever talked about this like kind of publicly before from the podium yeah
0: Okay. Yeah, some people actually some people uh, suggested that I I stopped a few years ago it was with a lot less uh, love and tolerance um, you know it was like uh, there was a not an aggression. I don't want to say an aggression, but there was, I was hurt, right? I got hurt by uh, the fact that all I was trying to do was explain my experience and say, you know, if, if, if the 12th step says having had a spiritual experience as a result of these steps, my jailhouse experience on July the 16th, 1987, albeit dramatic and transforming is not the message of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I was trying to carry that message for many years that you had to have a spiritual, powerful, spiritual awakening like that. So, but no idea about how to get there (laughs) hope it happens for you this is what i was describing yesterday Hope it happens for you that you get desperate and in pain enough that you have to scream out for help. Well, little did I know there was actually a 12-step process, which sponsorship is is, is basically charged with the duty of carrying that message to you. And that isn't me pointing my finger at the sponsors. It's like it's groupthink. The whole uh, and I'm and there are when they say there are pockets of enthusiasm of Alcoholics Anonymous, you've heard that saying before, right? Mm-hmm. Pockets of enthusiasm. Well, that must mean that there are. If there's pockets of enthusiasm, that must mean there's Of non (laughs) enthusiasm. And what I would like to say is middle of the road AA, which is untreated, non uh, spiritual, non 12 step Alcoholics Anonymous, where you go to meetings, you discuss the troubles of the day, and you share with those. And people, people are, when in Rome, if you think that's what Alcoholics Anonymous is, that's what it is. And you will have the same experience with me. I was talking with Chris, we were doing a workshop together one day, and, um, I said how could so many people be fooled how could so many people be deluded and he said it's it's his theory um and i happen to agree with him i won't be able to repeat it as well as he stated it is that when 12 and 12 meetings busted open in in your mid-70s into the 80s uh, thousands and tens of thousands of meetings across the united states and canada opened up uh, based on the 12 and 12. and so people would get sober and they'd be sober for a few months and stuff like that. And they would start reading this book at tables and they would begin to identify with having had the experiences in these tw- this 12 and 12. So I've never gone and made direct amends, but I'll read ni- the ninth step and think, well, my parents and family are talking to me now. So I must've made amends. And so I begin to acclimatize my my uh, sobriety and having taken the steps with what I'm sitting and listening to you talk about. Cause if I'm identifying with experiences you're having and you've taken a ninth step, well, then I must've taken a ninth step too. Just like being an alcoholic. And I loved meetings, so I was around meetings all the time. and this is what chris Chris's theory is that so people believe that they've taken the steps. and And in fact, you know, <clears throat> there is a specific directive way to engage in the process of the Twelve Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is a program, it's an actual program like any other treatment program for addiction that has a beginning, a middle, and an end process to it. And, and and when you go to a treatment center or something like that, they have a program and you follow the program. It doesn't matter if it's making your bed in the morning, brushing your teeth, going for breakfast, sitting in a group. You follow the program. In AA, there's nothing like that. You shake hands, get a coffee, you sit down, uh, you can listen, you can talk, you can you can do anything you want in an AA meeting. If you've been to enough meetings, you've actually seen that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's an amazing place to be. <laughs> so... So that's you know so that's that's how it all happened. So so you know the, this transformation, albeit uh, remarkable and and uh, incredibly wonderful, and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't easy to be around. And my wife, who's also an Alcoholics anonymous for thirty years, she's um again she was she was often taken aback by it because she was married to that guy.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay, so. You're an open book, so I'm just going to ask you a few questions. By by the way, I feel, you know, as you're describing this, I just feel so fortunate. My sponsor, his name is Bob. I got him in 1989. Still have him today. I call him my temporary sponsor. (laughs) I'm going to give it a shot. And and he, uh, I was similar. I had been in and out of AA for three years and he took me and he says, well, "Hey, have you ever worked the steps?" and I was like, "I could have had a VA, right?" I was like, "Oh, <laughs> yeah. that it makes sense." And he took me through the steps and we did it by the big book. We did the thir- you know, we did all the steps by the big book. And I just feel so fortunate that I ran into him right off the yeah. bat, you know, and and I know a lot of people don't have that sort of experience. But let me ask you a couple of questions. So you seem like a very reasonable rational or I'm sure you are a reasonable rational fun kind of guy right and and so now I'm kind of wondering about and this this is a little bit you know, this is something I, I would not ask you about during an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting but I'd ask you off to the side I'm gonna ask you on this podcast if you talk to somebody who has some sort of angst or some sort of you know won't ask you to speak or whatever what's their side of the story I mean what are they thinking over there I can, can you help me understand that?
0: Well, it's not all on them and some of it's on me. As I say, the way I came out of the gate, uh, people used to say to me that I split rooms. There are people that carry this same message that I have, like Charlie and Kate and and people like that, that uh, they don't necessarily split the room. I, I used to say from the front of the room and, and there's, there's a couple of legendary things about me doing roundhouse kicks and knocking down slogan trees and throwing fourth edition big books across the room and, uh, modem to modem. That's never going to happen. You know, <laughs> I wouldn't even open up a fourth, fourth tradition, a fourth edition. And so I had these, I had this experience, but then I also had this, uh, narrow-minded, closed-minded, um, so, so so it wasn't really a good
1: match got gotcha. you so, it was kind of my way or the highway yeah. you're all idiots if you don't do it my yeah. way so a thing, lot right? of people
0: yeah like like, like chris eh? chris chris raymer uh, you, you speak with chris today and uh, he's an absolute affable and uh, lovable human being uh, dreadfully shy but an incredibly incredibly nice man and uh when he had this transformative experience of seven years you know he was going to you know, a story. And he, uh, you know, and that's what happened. And he came out guns a-blazing. And, uh, and some people, and, and, and I see it as passion, and some people were seeing it as anger. And uh, they would, and so I would split the room and people would say, come on, you know. Uh, and Because so, I would say there are only two kinds of people in AA, those that take the steps and those that don't. And the ones that don't think the ones that do are in a click. And we are. I would say that. And we are in a click. And uh, and and the fact is, is that I don't necessarily disagree with that sentiment anymore, but those are room splitting. Those are because somebody sitting there does. Now, now I just want to talk about this really quickly, John. I, I'll give you a quick example. So we have a, a group, a, a guy, who, he's, he's one of the most revered old timers in my group. I absolutely love him. And he calls me up one day. He Says, "Hey Marty, he says I got this guy. You remember the guy he used to be our secretary, Dan? He's he's hammered, man. Can I bring him? Because I have this. We I got two meetings a week, and this one meeting we got in the basement. It's like it's called the back room meeting, and we really take it to we really take it to point down there. He says, so this old guy says, can I bring him to your meeting? I, says, I said, my meeting? I said, it's your meeting too, man. Of course, he's, yeah, bring him. He said, yeah, but he's drunk. I said, all the better, right? So he brings him in, and and this old guy in my group, who, again, I say is revered, he comes in, and everybody's so glad to see him there. He never comes on a Thursday night. So he comes in, and he sits down, and, and I'm talking, and I do my thing, and all of a sudden, there's chalk flying around all over the place and spit. <laughs> I'm getting all excited, right? <laughs> and I look down and the drunk guy's half asleep, but I look at the old guy and his jaws on the, on the table like that. And I'm like, we get it all done. We wrap it all up. We start putting the chairs and everything away. And he's 36 years sober and I'm walking up the stairs and, and he tugs on my shirt, John, like I'm, he, I'm in front of him and he just, him and I left in the whole meeting. He tugs on my shirt and I turn around. And I said, yeah, buddy, what's up? He said, I think I'm, I think I'm one of those guys you were talking about there. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, I don't think I've ever taken the steps. And I just started to laugh and I said, I love you, buddy. If I were to scour the world, the earth for a father, I'd pick you. I don't know whether you need to take the steps or not, but I knew that. And he said, how did you know? This is, you don't sponsor anybody. <laughs> He said, Wow, nobody's asked me. I said, That's not the point. I said, if you took the steps, the 12th step says that you'd be doing that. That's what it says. That's how I can tell whether people take the steps or not. Is are carrying the message? And then and I said, I love you, man. And this is a guy who and he finds out anybody's struggling, he dips into his pocket. If he's he's just a beautiful, beautiful old dude. So there are many occasions like that. And I take guys through the steps in my basement. I got guys of 25 and 30 years stepping up to the plate and saying, you know what, Marty, I heard you speak there a couple of weeks ago and there's no way I had the same experience that you guys are having so let's see what's going on here and when they sit in the room by step three they're going where's this shit coming from where's this stuff coming from and it's the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and message carriers you know like Sandy Beach and Mark and people like that you know I just get these guys together and all of a sudden guys who've been sober for a long time who were just living these sort of (sighs) lives no great no great uh, hurt highs and no no terrible lows just as humming across and they go oh my god and uh, they have new experiences and 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 there are some of us and uh um who talk like this that that know that part of our charge is the guys with 12 and 14 and 16 years sober guys who have been here for a long time who have never ever taken the steps who've never sponsored anybody and they wonder why their life is just why they aren't feeling it like you're feeling it mm-hmm. like you know some people look at me and think I'm crazy and I look back at them and think man you're crazy for not taking the steps if you took the steps you'd be nutty like me <laughs> that's that's the outcome
1: there was a guy Marty uh, that when I first got sober in our group who was a a wonderful wonderful man just absolutely loved him um and he was a traditions expert uh he really and he kept the the group kind of on the straight and narrow and made sure that we were considering all these things that he did in a in a really nice way and I liked him and and there was a we were coming up with some step speakers And I was in charge of getting the step speakers and I went up to him. He's, he's passed now, but I don't want to say his name, but I went up to him and I said, Hey there, would you be willing to speak on the fourth step next week? And he said, well, John, and he was like 25 years sober, I think 2025. He said, John, I've never done a fourth step. And I was, and it just, I remember it just kind of blowing me away. Uh, And there's another guy in my group, David G., who says, he's been on this podcast many times. He says, you know what insanity is, is is being part of a 12-step program (laughs) and never doing the 12 steps, you know? I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, It doesn't.
0: <laughs> but it's so the norm. The power of the norm is so strong. Like it's the groupthink, and people again. Like when I started getting, when I started getting more, more. I didn't get less. I, I was passionate all the time, but I, I stopped being. I, I stopped being offensive, and and the thing about is 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 was I was never ever pointing at anybody. I was you know, I wasn't pointing at anybody. I, uh, but I would have people come up to me, and here's the thing that happens. Don't forget, I'm 34 years sober. I'll still have people come up to me today, and they'll say, "Oh, come on, Marty, you don't you don't remember me back in 1987, 80, 89? I, I talking about the steps? No, no, no." and I'll say to them so so, so what you you had a 12 step experience you someone took you through the steps oh yeah i went up north there for 6 years remember i was up north and uh, this woman took me through the steps and i say and you came back to hamilton just kept it secret like i don't <laughs> like i don't understand like and i and i'll say to them please don't say that please don't say that because i have this discernment inside of me of what it looks like to have a twelve-step experience, you know, if like like that—that's first sponsor I told you about. I—I'll know when he takes the steps when I hear this, when I hear the knock at my door. Now I've gone four times at the direction of my current sponsor to uh, to sit and make amends with that man because he saved my life, and I and I owe him my life. He saved my life, and uh, and he resists any dialogue or conversation about about that stuff. So that's okay. So I back off and i leave it alone. I mean, this guy went on to high level service positions. He's really well known in in the world in Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, it is what it is, but I know that when he takes the steps, that's what'll happen. Now, you know, I I don't even know how, I don't even know how to describe it anymore. Like there's no, um, and so the guys, here's the funny thing is that, in this community now, when I talk about this Prince George group in this community in Hamilton, is it's flipped over, like it's flipped right over,. Now everybody who's new coming in, they go into the steps right away. They have sponsorship and are sponsoring people within you know weeks, couple months, having had this 12-step experience. And some of the older guys will go, "That's blasphemy." <laughs> no, it's our big book. And, 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 and these new people who are coming, they don't know there's no other way. They don't know that there's a a way where you don't actually have to do anything, you know, mm-hmm. where where the, in the most of the information at most meetings will be driven towards stopping you from doing anything. You shouldn't do that for a year. You shouldn't sponsor people till you're five years sober. You shouldn't and you don't. You shouldn't. No, you don't need to make those amends. And most of the, you know, most of the uh, uh, the conversations is driven towards what not to do. And uh, and so they've got these young people with like three months of sobriety, and they're out go- there sponsoring new guys. They're going down to the detox and putting on meetings and stuff. And people are going, "That is so wrong." It's sick. They're sick. They can't help other sick people. Thank God that we didn't rely on that when Alcoholics Anonymous was formed. <laughs> thank, God, thank God, our co-founders were so well.
1: <laughs> when, when, right? You
0: know, when AA was founded, God, you know, it's all we always been the half blind the half-blind, leading the blind. I, get, I, don't, I don't understand
1: it. You know, I don't understand it. Okay, so you're gonna have people listening to this, Marty, that and, and some you know, I, I can always tell you that when something comes up in a meeting that I'm attending and it is slightly kind of on the edge sometimes, I, I, I used to not like it, but now what I have found out that for me is that it helps me to crystallize what I actually believe, right? It kinda it 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 puts that 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 stake in the ground so here so here the reason i'm i'm saying that is because i've got a feeling there are going to be people listening to this that are a little divided on this and i'm okay with that i'm good with that and so what i'm asking what I, I, i if you would please share your experience strength and hope for the ones who are sitting there and they're saying to themselves you know what I, I'm. I've experienced what Marty's experienced. I want to have a twelve-step experience. I want to work the steps. I want to make sure that I've done everything in my power to have a twelve-step experience. So, why don't you talk to that group of people right now, or just share your experience, strength, and hope around that?
0: Okay. Okay, so, so alcoholism demands treatment. There's no doubt about it. And I believe that if some, an individual hasn't uh, engaged or taken the 12 steps, driven toward a spiritual uh, a spiritual life, that they're going through alcoholism will demand treatment like this. It will demand treatment like uh, over working too hard, uh, monetary sort of acquisition, materialism, uh, pornography, uh, and all kinds of self-indulgent behaviors like gambling or, or these kinds of things. And it just manifests, uh, untreated alcoholism manifests in those self-centered ways, and so over time, God damn it! I didn't take a drink today. That's a good day. You know, At least I didn't drink today. <laughs> like that stuff is is deadly, you know, because we don't meet people who suicide uh, when they're drunk except by accident. Drinking saved me from dying from alcoholism. It's like when we the people that check out here, the people that just can't do it one more goddamn day, are untreated alcoholics untreated. So just 12 steps to forge you some treatment. So the way Mark qualified me and put me into the second and third steps in those first few minutes is exactly what it says in the big book. And that's how long it takes is a few minutes, but it required an amount of humility. It required this ability for me to say, okay, I'm going to come with you and follow him. And, and why I did that is, is not like me. It is not like me so I feel that it was profound I feel that it was it was it was divine I feel that something was was directed to happen so that's but once you sit down with another man and to do a third step together nothing is more binding I think than maybe with the exception. Of, of hearing a person's fifth step, I, or fourth step, I think that that's that's what happens, right? So if you're if you're around here for five and eight and ten and twelve years and you've never had a twelve step experience, this takes a couple of days. It and but what you need to do is you need to have a sponsor that either is carrying that message or is open to the fact that you'd like to do that, and you would go to them and you'd say, "I'd like to have that experience. I'd like to do that." And there are many people. That Wednesday night PPG group that Charlie and uh, Chad and, and Ashley and those guys run, they offer that up right there. So you can keep your sponsor, but if you want to have a 12-step experience, we'll take you through the steps here uh, virtually if you like. And that is a, uh, a not only a distinct possibility, it's an absolute recommendation. Once you engage in this process of steps four through nine, you will not turn back. When you do an inventory for real and resentment, fear, and sex conduct, and you share that with another human being… You're gonna go immediately and start knocking on doors and looking at people in the eyes. And you're gonna think right now, well, I don't need to make amends to anybody. Everything's pretty peaceful in my life. But when you make a list of all the persons you had harmed, I'd like to say, I'd like to see you say the same thing. I'd like to see you say the same thing and the same have the same response when you make a list of all the persons you had harmed. Once you make that list, you become committed to the prospect of cleaning it up. Only Only the desperate will do that. And people who are 12 years sober, 14 years sober on a middle of the road sobriety are not desperate anymore. When I ask somebody, you know, look, are you willing to do this? When they're brand new, yeah, 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 whatever. Once they get a couple of nights sleep and a few cheeseburgers, man, it's awful hard to convince them to do anything. (laughs) It's, you know what I mean? It's, not, it's, like, it's tough. And that's why in the ninth step, we remind people, remember at the beginning, you were willing to go to any lengths for victory over alcohol. We remind them that in the ninth step. And for anybody who is listening to this podcast, if I was to say that uh, when I talked about the transition around my sexual abuse and stuff, it was steps four through nine. It had nothing to do with just step four, me looking at it again. I'd looked at it many times through therapy and on it I'm looking at it again when I put in the last column all the things that I had done in my life relative to that and to, uh, just the things that I had done to people I began to lose my victimization. I began to lose my perspective that somehow this world has been damaging to me. I started to see that I had been damaging to it. And when I made a list of that, those damages and started going out and knocking on doors and looking people in the eyes, that's when the whole sexual abuse stuff started to slide away and slip away. And then God started presenting people in my life on both sides of that fence, abusers and the abused. And I was asked to, you know, to deal with that. When when the tenth step says love and tolerance is our code. Can I just, I don't know how much time we got. You're fine. Okay. I just want to say something uh, and I'll try to, Sandy Beach became my friend, my friend, my, my sponsor, Kevin and I drove down a few years ago and, uh, and had a wonderful conversation with Sandy about some stuff. And, and I got so much out of, uh, uh, my friendship with him in the short time that it existed. But one of the things that, that, um, yeah, Sandy used to always say was about the 10th step. He always talked about the 10th step, entering the world of the spirit. Now this 10th step thing, I'm going to practicalize it for people because I told you when I was looking at the steps, how weird the 10th step sounded. It just sounded weird to me and it didn't make any sense. But I believe that all the secrets to good living are in the 10th step, all of them. And what that means is that there's nothing wrong ever. There's never anything, there's no problems anymore. We enter the world of the spirit and it says, when these crop up, what resentment, fear, dishonesty when these crop up what do i do we have this program now that tells us that it says what i'm the first thing i'm going to do is i'm going to ask god at once to remove it that's what i'm going to do i learned to do that in steps six and seven and then it says um uh, you're going to identify it's what you learned how to do in four. And then it says, we're going to tell somebody about it, which is step five. And then it says, we're going to uh, make amends if we harm anybody in the process, which is steps eight and nine. And then it says, we're resolutely going to turn our attention to someone who can help, which is step 12. So in the moment, when these things crop up, we're immediately going to do this. And that's steps four through nine. And then step 12. And that's how our lives live in the moment. Right now, the power of now, all the secrets to life are right here, right now. It's like it's like the Vedas in, in Hinduism. It's like every, the, all these secrets about spiritual living and Alcoholics Anonymous come from this l- sort of old, archaic way of of being centered and being peaceful. Now, the reason I tell you that is theoretically, that's what it is, the information we're giving you. Here's how it works practically at 34 Years Sober. I'm driving home, I'm driving to my AA meeting one night and I get a phone call that my middle daughter suicide suicide. She committed suicide. She took her, she took a rope, she put it in the rafters and she hung herself. And I'm driving down the road on the way to my meeting and I slam on the brakes. I pull the car over and I, I can't believe it. And I start smashing on the dash. I start smashing the mirror. I grab my steering wheel. I bend the steering wheel. And then all of a sudden, all that stuff came to me about when these crop up. What do I do? Ask God who wants to remove it. And I did that with tears and anger all over me. And I knew that my friend Brian, who I did my workshops with, is just down the street. And I drove the car down the street and I saw Brian. I fell into his arms. I told him what happened. He said, what do you want to do? And I said, let's do the meeting. And said, so all the guys are here, a couple of drunk guys there that night. It was actually a pretty good meeting. But we sat in the meeting and uh, sat on my hands and I just tried to attend to others. Very difficult, but I tried to attend to others as best I could. And when the meeting ended, he said, let's go. And we went down to the hospital. Now, my daughter hadn't died. She was on life support system and all wired up. I went and I saw my wife and she was crying and I held her and I whispered into her ear, it's going to be okay. And it's because I knew it was. And I went to the doctors and the nurses, and I thanked them for looking after my daughter. And then I, went and I said, "Can I go in and see?" Her? And they said, "Yeah." And I went in. I put my hand on Sarah's head, and I kissed her on the forehead, and I whispered into her ear, "It's going to be okay." And it's because I knew it was. And we're talking about an hour and a half of a circumstance and a situation that was devastating, debilitating, painful, um, absolute, insane out-of-control sensations in my body, gone, hour and a half. Why is that important? Because a couple of years ago, just after COVID started, my oldest daughter rolled in an ATV and she banged her head in her roll bars and they sent her to the hospital. I, told her, well, I actually saw her. She looked like she was concussed. I said, go to the hospital and have it looked at. And when they looked and they found something in her head. and they, It was a tumor the size of a plum. And while I was sitting here at my desk, at the very desk I'm sitting here right now at, I have a room full of people here on weekdays and I'm sitting at this desk and I get the phone call that this is what's happened. My daughter's found it out and her and her husband are in the truck coming towards me because she needs me. And she gives me the news and I lose it spiritually, mentally. I lose it sitting here. Nobody can see it happening, but inside of me, it's like, what the after all I do, this is all this bargaining. And I, I get up and I walk into the room right adjacent. I drop to my knees and I ask God it wants to remove it. I said, I'm not going to be of any use to her if she doesn't come. I came out and I told my colleague, which is three feet from the door, exactly what the news was I just got. And I said, I'll be right back. And by the time I went down the stairs to meet her coming in the backyard, which is eight minutes later, coming into the back of my office, she fell into my arms and I was able to hold her very close and whisper in her ear, it's going to be okay. Because I knew it was. So that's an hour and a half to 8 minutes. And this is how it works in a practical way. That is gone. This this is all that did was open up a door brain cancer and we just found out 3 days ago that she's got lung cancer too. Like it's not good. But I'm good and she's good and it's all good. And the thing is we go through these things and and the 10th step gives me that venue to 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 experience and and and, and engage and it doesn't make me numb. Do I seem numb? (laughs) Like, do I seem numb in any way? I react. I cry at elpo commercials.
1: (laughs) I I cry when the little
0: boy's throwing the frisbee to the dog. And and then when last night did you see that fight? Oh my God, I was jumping up and down, Tyson Fury, and and it was incredible. What a fight. And I'm passionate about everything I do. I mean, I can I can do a crossword and get (laughs) bent out of shape. So it it's the tenth step keeps me. Ever present in the moment. And, 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 and that's what helps me live. I'm an alcoholic. And I'm reminded right after I'm, 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 I'm learned it in that experience that we only have one code in AA. hey, don't drink, go to meetings or 90 meetings, 90 days. It, it isn't any of that stuff. It isn't about reading the big book and studying the big book. It is not about any of that. So we got one code that we have to live by. Love and tolerance, and everybody everybody focuses on the tolerance. They always say, "Oh yeah, well you know I I'm pretty tolerant of others." <laughs> and they forget it. <laughs> you got to recognize that other people are pretty tolerant of you. I'm I got to recognize other people are really tolerant of me. It's the code I have to live by to love people who are tolerating me. I am I'm a hard thing to handle sometimes, and uh, you know it's the love. It's the, it's the only part of our code. I mean, I don't think we talk about it enough. I really don't. You want to you empty out an AA meeting, talk about two things, love or God. And love and tolerance is our code. It's our code. Anyway, I, I wanted to share that 10-step experience because you asked about people who are stoic in their sobriety, you know, people who are just not feeling it. You know I mean? They're sober a long time. They're not drinking a long time. But you look at Chuck Chamberlain's new pair of glasses. You tell me, do you feel that way about your life? And if you don't, if you don't, you're missing the trip. It's not like you got hand selected to have a shitty life, even in spite of not drinking. Like, it's this is amazing. It's an amazing life. Amazing life. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love it. it. I'm a hard thing to handle sometimes. I never really thought about that.
0: People gotta tolerate me, not the other way yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We
1: always think about the other yes. tolerating them. Yes. Oh,
0: I'm so tolerant.
1: <laughs> I am a walk in the park, but you on the other hand. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, Thanks, Marty. All right, so I'm going to close it up here with uh, page 164 from the big book. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the uh, wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us like me and Marty C., as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, my friend Marty, I really have enjoyed meeting you. And uh, thank you so much for your time and your willingness to share. God bless. Thank you very much, buddy. Appreciate it. Marty C., just most excellent. Thank you so much, sir, for joining me and sharing your thoughts and your story and your perspective. And with with the Sober Speak audience, I, I so much appreciate it. And I'll look forward to having you on uh, again in the near future. If you heard that today, and that impacted you in some form or fashion, please pause your device and share it with a friend or family member. Remember, that may be just what they need today. Once again, thank you so much, Marty C. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback. Jude writes in and Jude says, Hi, John, I'm grateful to have discovered your podcast. I've been trying to get sober and stay sober for the last nine months with some good stretches, but I still haven't gotten it to stick. I've been trying to work with my sponsor and do the steps. I've been going to meetings, but then I'll trail off. I'm writing because something that uh, one of your recent guests said, Doug R., really stuck with me. He commented on recognizing that he was talented and intelligent, and yet that was not enough. I feel like I'm in the same situation. I have advanced degrees, and I know I'm pretty smart, and yet I haven't been able to stay sober. Thank uh, that asking for help from a higher power has been hard, and I've not been doing it well. I know that's where I need to be focusing. Thanks to Doug and for sharing his story. Bess, Jude. Well, Jude, there many folks out there just like that and uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted to put that particular uh, uh, letter or email at the top of this episode Um, and because uh, there are many folks uh, and I've tried to do it myself trying to outsmart God trying to outsmart the program and thinking that our human reasoning could carry us far enough but In my experience, that does not work out too well. But thank you so much, Jude, for being vulnerable and writing in. Chris writes in and Chris says, I live in the small town of Maysville, Kentucky. I'm 35 years old and recently on January 7th, 2022, I needed help with alcoholism. I am... Currently at a rehab facility in Jackson, Mississippi, called Defining Wellness. This is my first time ever getting help with my alcohol abuse. Your podcast was recommended to me by Brian, he says his last name, Brian P., who resides in Texas and is also in recovery. Well, I don't know if uh, Brian told you this, Chris, but Brian's been on the uh, the uh, podcast uh, many times over. Anyway, he says... Uh, I recently read a book called No More Vodka in My Orange Juice. This was a really good read, and I was able to relate to it. Thanks. Regards, Chris H. And then he gives his phone number. Well, Chris H., God bless you. It sounds like you're on the right track. I'm glad uh, Brian recommended uh, the podcast to you and uh, keep us posted. Michael J. writes in, and this is not Michael J., Fox, so like it's Michael, and then his last initial is J. Nonetheless, he says, "Hey John, I love the podcast. Found it about two months into my second try in Alcoholics Anonymous. It has really helped me tremendously. I started listening with Mumbai Mike, and over time realized that there were just so many to get caught up on, and I've listened to all of them now. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, he's." Mum by Mike, he's talking about was the first episode that I ever did. And that's episode number one. And he went back and he found that, and I guess all the rest of them. You have listened to quite a few episodes, Mr. Michael J. That's great. Thank you very much. And, and, you know, anyway. Just I'm flashing back now to Mumbai, Mike, and I've talked about this a little bit on the the program before. But I just I went to a meeting one day, and I knew I was thinking about starting this podcast, and I had like a microphone set up, and I didn't really know what I was doing. And this guy named uh, uh, Mike was visiting from. Uh, India, which is where he lived. And uh, we ended up titling the episode Mumbai Mike. And I got him over there, recorded him and just, you know, he gave me something to, to, to kind of, figure out what to do it with. So I'm like, okay, I have this recording. Now, what do I do with it? How do I get it out there to people? And so I'm very grateful for Mumbai, Mike. Anyway, back to Michael J. Michael J says, I love listening over. I really want to get in touch with the Kitchen Table AA guys. All three of them has have really opened up my program. And again, over the last five months, my last Drink date is July 13th, 2021, and discovering this podcast was obviously a gift from my higher power because I seem to be listening to the perfect speakers at the perfect times of struggle. I've plugged the show at my home group, I I attend. It's called The Foglifters (laughs) of of St. John's, Michigan. <laughs> and in other uh, towns nearby, and the Alanone and the Allenown clubs of Lansing. I love the title of that uh, meeting: the Foglifters in St. John's, Michigan. If you're out there and you're one of the bog lifters tell Michael J. I said hello, but nonetheless he says I have a wonderful sponsor who himself has a wonderful sponsor I used to love to listen to talk radio Howard Stern and etc so this actually fit right into normal life for me I find each episode intriguing and feel so much love from the program of recovery from all of you it is truly a blessing and what you are doing is truly remarkable Not not to cut out any of the other podcasts, but for this alcoholic, this one, sober speak, is the one that fits me the most. I listened through Spotify and I found that there is actually a big book podcast by Howard and it's an audible version. A big book podcast by Howard. Is he talking about Howard Stern? I don't think so. But uh, anyway, that's very interesting. Anyway, I says, I like to listen to stories in that and I use it to read along at home like a mini big book study, laugh out loud. This has been very helpful to me in understanding uh, understanding better the writings, and I thought it might be useful to the listeners. May we all be blessed in our past, however they may be laid out, and may God guide us to all the happy destiny, happy destiny we are deserving as His children. Thank you for what you do, John M. In all aspects, being able to listen right when I need to has been, tr- has been the remedy for situations that I may be baffled by and for some reason that happens to be right when I need it is it odd or is it God? (laughs) I don't think I've heard that one before. I thought I'd heard them all. Nonetheless, and he says, God bless you all, Michael J. Is it odd or is it God? Thank you, Michael J. Thanks for writing in. That's very kind. Janice writes in and Janice says, Hi, John, I'm so glad I found your podcast. I love having a meeting between meetings. I was born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina, where I now live with my husband and two children, five and seven. I realized I had a drinking problem in 2007 after watching my aunt nearly die in the ICU from a year of alcoholic drinking. I first came to AA in 2018, scared and shaking, could really, uh, couldn't really could really take it in. So scared, a high school friend of mine set me up with a woman who happened to be a nurse. We met a little before the meeting, and she walked in with me. My first meeting was not a good one, so I didn't think AA was for me. I kept in touch with the nurse for a couple of weeks, but eventually ended up going in inpatient for suicidal thoughts. Taking away alcohol, my coping mechanisms revealed some major depression after a brief three-day stay at a psych ward when a 30-day treatment center, uh, uh, then a 30-day treatment center for mental illness. I came home, but suicidal again and went to another psych ward for 10 days. Being away from my kids for 45 days was excruciating. AA meetings were brought to the hospital and I went every night And that they were offered. I started to relate to the people who shared. I continued to go to AA meetings almost daily post-hospitalization but didn't realize that that wasn't enough. I needed a sponsor and found one. We attempted working the steps, but my whole head and heart weren't in it. I was able to stay sober for over 500 days by joining a Sober Mom Facebook group, but without working a spiritual program, I relapsed. Then I continued to relapse many, many, many times over. I couldn't stay sober for a little while, and then The fact that I didn't have emotional sobriety would bring me back to the bottle. As of January 3rd, 2022, I decided to take my life. I'd been living in a hell I created in my mind, and I couldn't take the pain anymore. I took a few months worth of of two of my prescriptions, and I thought that that would certainly take my life. My husband husband found me not breathing well and called 911. I was taken to the ER and then an ICU. I woke up in the ICU not sure if I was dreaming. After a couple of days, I came to and a nurse knocked on the glass doors of my room and waved at me. She said, hi, and I was looking better. Where had I seen this woman before? Then I remembered her holding my hand in the ER. I knew her, but wasn't sure from where. Then it dawned on me, she was the nurse who took me to my first AA meeting. Wow. God was telling me to go back into AA. I eventually got my cell phone and I was able to attend AA meetings via Zoom while in ICU for eight days. I was transferred to a local psych ward for four days and then came home. I have attended a meeting every day since, sometimes more than once a day. I found a sponsor via the Zoom meetings. I call her daily and we meet twice a week and read the big book in 12 and 12. I'm about to start on the fourth step. I pray every morning and night. At first, I didn't know what was going, what I was doing, but I'm starting to learn. AA is saving my life. If I drink again, I die. I know this for certain. My two children need me, and I need to get well for myself so I can be the best mom possible for them. My aunt now has five years sobriety through AA, and she is a great person for me to talk to. I have seen the program change her into a beautiful, peaceful person for me to talk to. I have seen the program change, oh, I'm sorry, for me, uh, a beautiful, peaceful person, and it gives me so much hope. I'm making sober friends. I haven't had friends in a long time. I thank God every day for AA and the people in the program. Thank you for your service and your podcast, Janice. Wow, Janice. Um, thanks for writing in. That is... Um, yeah, I took my breath away for a second. Um, and, I, I, gosh, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm so glad that your attempt to take your life was unsuccessful for both you your family, uh, your children, your husband, uh, and for all those near you. Um, And uh, it sounds like you're on a great path, and I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, Please keep me posted, Janice. God bless you. Paul writes in and he says, hey, John, I'm in British Columbia, Canada. My sobriety date is October 18th, 1989, 32 plus years. I originally became aware of Sober Speak on a Facebook group I started calling, I started calling, and it's called Sober Seniors of Alcoholics Anonymous, so I, I'm, I'm assuming somebody can search that up there, uh, Paul, if they're in Facebook and uh, come find you. So uh, if you're interested in Sober Seniors of Alcoholics Anonymous, I hadn't tried to find it on Facebook, but I'm just assuming that it's there. Anyway, he so says, since then, I've had the opportunity to listen to a number of recording. And Enjoy the shares. I enjoy working with newcomers when I share. It's usually about not giving up as it took me a number of times in and out of AA before I finally did steps one, two, and three. We, we are very similar, Mr. Paul. Anyway, he says, thank you for your service. And if you want, please keep in touch. Take care of Paul. Well, thank you, Paul. I appreciate you. And we've been sober uh, about the same amount of time. I got sober in 1989 after going in and out myself, my friend. I completely get it. Mary writes in, last but not least. And Mary says, Hi, John. My name is Mary M. And my partner, Andy B., and I live in Newport, Rhode Island. i found out about your podcast on the secret Facebook group from my partner, who is an avid fan of your podcast. He works on a car carrier ship and listens every week because he can't make it to meetings while he is away. I am looking for more recovery support online to supplement my AA meetings and found your group. I have seven and a half years sober and my partner has 17. I honestly haven't listened to too many of your podcasts, but the ones I have to, I've enjoyed very much. I look forward to listening to more in the future. Mary M. Well, Mary M, God bless you God bless Andy B. If anyone's out there in Newport, Rhode Island, and you know Andy B. and Mary M., I give them my best. All right, everybody. That is another week in the books. I take this one week at a time. Hope to be back next week. May God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. Love you guys.